Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Tara Talk. Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Good afternoon. If you're listening, it, it, maybe you're not listening to it in the <laughs> afternoon. She's like, good morning, afternoon, evening. Whenever I don't know you're listening what to, to say. <laughs> that, I guess that's hard with podcasts. It's like, good day. That's right. <laughs> it's the only thing you can really say. Um, today on the show, we're going to talk about 70s horror flicks predominantly, but I did want to start out by setting a little bit of a stage of the culture that we're looking at in the seventies. And I am by no means um, going to mention all the things that were going on in the culture, but I just want to set up like a couple sentences of what we're looking at. So keep in mind that the seventies were the first decade where horror movies really exploded um, the Exorcist was nominated for awards. Um, Jaws. Jaws was nominated for awards. And those were the, I believe those were the first horror movies that were ever nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. And Exorcist had many nominations. Yes. yes. Well, it's an exceptional movie. Damn it. Still one of the scariest movies of all time. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, the other thing that was happening is that we were coming out of the Vietnam War. And so there was a lot of financial crisis. There was a lot of um, cultural unrest. There was a lot of... You'll find in the 70s there's a lot of movies where um, military characters have come back from the war. And so there's a lot of PTSD in the movies. There's a lot of military... Um, unrest in psychology really in a lot of the movies the other thing that was happening was that um, once 1972 came uh, there had never been a suspicion of the government I was just about to say that we trusted yeah. the government yep. <laughs> we trusted America we trusted our leaders mm -hmm. and in 1972 Watergate happened and, you know, for those of you who may not know all the details about Watergate, it's a really exceptional thing to know about our history. And our trust of, in polling, the, our trust of the government plummeted to 50%. And it had never, that had never happened. And it's never actually been over about 50% since then. Uh, one of the articles I was reading in the New York Times said that it's really never, it's never recovered for obvious reasons. Um, but so just, so just, so just know that. So those themes go through horror, like a house on fire. Yeah. Uh, distrust, <clears throat> uh, spiritual searching coming out of the Manson family stuff too. Mm -hmm. So cults and all that combined. I think we see a lot of the, um, like it, it connects the cult stuff with the government stuff. And then we're also coming out of a decade that still was very sci-fi heavy. Mm. So, so I think even some of the earlier, like mid seventies stuff, there's sci-fi horror. Mm -hmm. There's still this um, fear of the unknown, something bigger than us. Yeah. I mean, there was just an unparalleled amount of carnage, carnage in sixties and seventies horror movies. Um, and there was also this kind of, family dynamic that was happening, you know, 
families had been broken up. There's a lot of stories around terrors in real life. Uh, and I don't know that we'd had that in horror quite as vividly as no, you're right in the seventies, you know, the horror of real life. And that's actually, I mean, that's really what this podcast is based on in many ways. You know, we love horror movies, but one of the things we very quickly got into doing was, um, you know, biopics on, uh, very famous killers because that's the horror in real life. That's the, that's the terror talk. We're talking about like fictional terror and the horrors of real life. And the seventies really brought that to light. It did. And I think there's this, a really almost like a jarring switch from the sixties, seventies, like a, a I think it was probably over a month ago that we had the trivia about Psycho, and one of the clues was it was the first movie that ever showed a toilet, or that you knew that there was <laughs> yeah. a, a toilet in the bed. And they didn't even Psycho. show it; you just yeah. heard you just heard it flushing. <laughs> and then the seventies, it's anybody's game. I mean, it it went from being somewhat of of a psychological thriller, sci-fi, mm -hmm. you know, scary to just really like you said just a moment ago, carnage and um, f the fall from innocence to experience, I think is a way that I would describe mm. it is the 60s still had an essence of um, pure kind of clean ish horror. And then with Vietnam, with the Manson family murders, with the family dynamics shifting, um, we started to in, in art, you know, art imitates life, life imitates art, however you want to look at it. For sure. So then this is what came out of, I mean, the 70s is really, I think, a reaction to the 60s. Oh, absolutely. Just like every decade, right? right? Um, but for horror, this decade was really, for me, when I look at, and I love all the, the different decades for different reasons, and that's why we do shows on them. I think this was the the caveat for really, really disturbing, more psychologically themed, you know, horror, yeah. not just thrillers, but, but absolutely. Blood. I mean, yeah. I would say that's because of the psychological, you know, the anxiety and the fear and the distrust and the, I, I mean, and the cultural unrest. I mean, George Romero's night of the living dead was completed just days before Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. So I mean, crazy. it's just like right in yeah. that, it's just, um, yes. Well, and we're coming out of the sixties and the hippie there, there wasn't, a, you know, now you're seeing the hitchhikers and a lot of rape and just misogyny in the seventies too. Yeah. There was a, like a new explicitness yeah. that was happening. I mean, like people like Tom Savini, who was known for, you know, the very visceral makeup and special effects in like Friday the 13th and mm -hmm. Dawn of the Dead. He's still around, super famous. Um, you know, he served in Vietnam in 1969 and he was photographing corpses in the United States Army and then he was coming back and, then, and doing makeup for horror movies. So there was a, re re there was a realness to it um, that we hadn't seen before. And a lot of, you know, human-on-human -human violence with all of these, you know, Friday the 13th and Halloween and all of these different sort of series now that are so iconic. But at the time, this was all very new. Yep. Um, and Stephen King was happening. So there was The Omen and Carrie and... Um, we had King, we had Toby Hooper, and mm -hmm. we had Spielberg. Salem's Lot. I mean, there was so much going on. Um, Salem's Lot's one of my favorites. Me too. 
well the yeah both both the book and the movie are pretty exceptional um it was a heyday but for... toby toby hooper directed chainsaw and salem's lot mm -hmm. so there i mean there some of these guys really bang lots of independent films in the 70s mm -hmm. people really wanting um their own they didn't want big budget they wanted to use their own creativity it was very react it was reactionary mm -hmm. um and revisionist in some ways mm -hmm. the psychological horror i think played um and and you know things like texas chainsaw massacre were very reflective of the poverty that was going on now in the 70s yeah. it was um you know, it, there was a financial crisis after Vietnam as well. And then, you know, Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980 and horror films really took on a very different face in the 80s. And so the 70s is a definitely a microcosm of a cultural expression. And I mean, we know this, we, we do, we try to do a lot of horror on this show and we talk a lot of about horror uh, just when we're hanging out together, but we also, you know, engage in social media about horror. And it's this decade, I, I feel like, I don't know, we haven't done a lot of the decades yet, but I feel like the 70s in so many ways was the decade that was most reflective of the culture in so our horror cinema. I think so too, because when you get to the 80s, it gets much more Hollywood. Yeah. And they take a lot of what they did in the, and it's still reflective. I mean, I think every decade is, but yep. this one was um sociopolitical mm -hmm. very the very. 60s were to a certain extent but the 70s were sociopolitical because of all, all the things we just mentioned all the things that we mentioned and then <laughs> and rolling <more>. writing and <laughs> rolling right into a recession and now with that fall from innocence to experience like you said a big part of it was the the change in the way they look that we look at the government now mm -hmm. so with that sort of set up um I thought maybe, I don't know how you'd like to approach it. I What happened for me when I started researching this episode to talk about some of the seven, I, uh, I always try to take things from a little bit of a personal vantage point and maybe that's the shrink in me, but like what were the movies in the 70s because I was alive in the 70s, but I was also not that old. And so I was, I was like watching a lot of these movies in the 80s. I was watching 70s movies, kind of like we watch movies from the last decade. I mean, you, you watch movies from the last decade pretty easily because they look pretty similar to what we're watching now. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some movies that I remember and have like history with that I had forgotten about. <laughs> and even just seeing their names, I was like, oh God, oh God. I don't, should I watch that? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. How did you approach looking into the 70s movies? I, for me, because a lot of them I clearly saw later, probably in the 80s, I saw the majority of them. And some of them I, <laughs> we joke about, but I was true, I was very young. So one of the ones that actually got me, and I, I, let me say this, I broke it down this way. The ones that actually affected me, scared me, and have somewhat of a, I still have this residual when I think about them because of <laughs> yeah. how I felt when I was younger and I saw them. Mm -hmm. And then the ones that were just kind of fun to watch and, and part of the popular culture. Yes. So... That's sort of how I split it up. And gotcha. for me, the ones that really 
the themes of the ones that really got me and I was looking at an article that talked about this was during the 70s 70s they sort of developed the archetype of the mysterious killer Mm -hmm. and so many of the movies about like being in a home and there's something going on in there and you it could be anybody you know um so I think that's why Black Christmas scares me so much yeah I noticed that was on the list (laughs) um and just the the um the strange phone calls and the stuff that we couldn't have now because of cell phones there's there's a there's a very like deceptive mysterious undertone to some of these films that they try to do now but it's not as scary because there are ways to get out of that like you're in a house with five women and there's this strange voice that pops up and I, you have to watch the movie to really get the essence of it. But mm-hmm. those are the ones I think that really sat with me was this violation. It felt like violating. Yeah. The home invasion type stuff, the phone calls. Cause when you're a kid too, you were a kid when you were like investigating right. this decade. So, not- so it's like, like I would imagine as a kid, at least I know I was, it's like, you're afraid that someone's going to hurt your parents right. or come into your home. And so like, yeah, if it yeah. was like a, action movie and it was a burglary no but the home invasion of like the psychologically terrifying Mm -hmm. mysterious there was a lot of that in the in the 70s and 80s yeah i mean we had home phones right and so the landline there was a landline phone that would ring and the way we dealt with it in my house was that it would ring and i would never answer it (laughs) and you know but as i got older you could answer it You know, like it was whoever was around. And then you sort of said like, hey, can you get that? You know, like there was a house phone. And then when I became a teenager, I got my own phone. Which is, again, like when a stranger calls. That's right. Which is 70s also. I got my own line, I should say. And then it was even more weird, right? Because it's like Mm -hmm. it's my phone. There's something about that theme um, of feeling like there's something going on. And then it would be coupled with the people took for granted the innocence of things. We didn't really look at look at people like um, there could be a mix of good and bad in there. Mm-hmm. So Alice Sweet Alice would be another one for me of a child who Love that no, one, no one would ever really suspect. We didn't look at things the way that we do now. We study psychology very differently and sociology very differently where we understand that kids can be um, yep. incredibly corrupted. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was the decade of the omen and Mm -hmm. Sweet Alice and the little girl who lives down the lane with Jodie Foster. And, you know, Alice Sweet Alice was with Brooke Shields, for those of you who don't know. Her first role, I think. In 1976. And I I think it gets overlooked. It's one of the scariest. If you guys have not seen it. It, it And and it's because of that presumption of innocence. And I just want to say, you know, not to get political, but it was really interesting because in the 70s, and even now, but in the 70s and 80s, the way that young white children were depicted as these angelic, we, we've seen it in even older um, yeah. decades with Village of the Damned and the bad, se- the good, the bad Seed and all mm-hmm. of that, whereas there's this presumption. Right. And then underlying that, though, is the audience is always rooting for that pure evil. And that's where we see that with Damien. We see it with Alice, Sweet Alice, and a lot of those themes in the 70s. And The Exorcist. Yeah, so we've just named a bunch of, like, kid ones, right? So Alice, Sweet Alice, The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Um, Well, there's Carrie as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And that moves more into like the adolescent sexuality, sexual development. Mm, the exorcist, mm. the omen. Those are the ones that we yeah. mentioned of like kids, kids ones. There's a lot of them. Um, those are just the ones I like. Listen, so I'm sure there's a ton more. You have a, a, a kid in 1973 that on screen can say your mother suck, sucks cocks in hell. Yeah. And she can stab her vagina with mm -hmm. a crucifix. Yeah, there's some good on-set stories about that. We should do an episode on The Exorcist. It's pretty awesome. And I've, I've listened to her interviews. She's like, I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah, no, she talks about how she's like, it wasn't bad for me because I didn't really know. I didn't know what I was doing. So yeah. imagine what they were able to get away with and how different that was from the 60s. Mm -hmm. Very. Uh, so I will throw one of mine out there. Um, there's a movie called It's Alive. Mm, I have it on mine too. <laughs> the hand over the basket. So when Kathy and I used to do um, Halloween parties, I have my childhood wicker baby basket. It's, it's on wheels that looks exactly, I will say, exactly <laughs> like the one in the 1974 American horror film called It's Alive, written, produced, and directed by Larry Cohen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's so gross and scary. Oh. And then they did, like, It Lives or whatever, like, the second one. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, and so when we used to do these Halloween parties, I would break out the baby basket, um, because it's from that era, and I would yeah, put like corruption a of children. Baby. <laughs> I know. They were really obsessed with with like making children demonic and psychopathic. <laughs> All the kids what were year bad. Was children of the corn. I don't know. I think it's eighties, but maybe not. It could be I think it it's eighties. Right I mean it's Stephen King, obviously, but it's um so it's alive was in nineteen seventy four. Um I was scared by that movie. Um, another one that I, there's a couple of other movies that I was very terrified of um, was the Step. Sorry, 77 was Children of the Corn. Okay. Yeah, no, the 70s were an era of Stephen King, like kind of like this decade. And he really did focus a lot on children, so that would make sense. Oh, yes. He's uh, exceptional with the kids' stories. Can, can I just, sorry, <laughs> real quick, read the log line for It's Alive? Please. Um, the Davies expect a baby, which turns out to be a monster with a nasty habit of killing when it's scared. Yeah. And it's easily scared. Yeah. If you look at the pictures of this thing. The hand. I mean, it's all practical effects back in the day. But this thing has gnarled teeth and bright blue eyeballs and, oh, it's bad. And big old teeth. It's not good. A baby that. Like, like Nosferatu as a baby. I guess it's like when we've talked about in episodes where like little dolls that come to life. Like we talked about Taki Tina back when we did the Twilight episode and stuff. It's like I, I had a thing and I still have a thing where it's like little things that come to life and try to kill me are not are no bueno. But it is a creepy movie. I'm sure I haven't watched it recently, but I'm sure this it doesn't like hold up in a way. But, you know, think about it. We're coming off of Rosemary's Baby, which is in 1968. Um, but there was other stuff like, um, so more psychologically terrifying would be stuff like the Stepford Wives yeah, or, um, Play Misty for Me, 
which was you know I've still never seen that psycho <laughs> psycho lady <laughs> which has been done a lot but play Misty for me is a really good one um, how about you you throw out a couple um another one I mean clearly I've got my honorable mentions like Halloween, which still sets the bar for today's horror film as far as I'm concerned, but I'm biased. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people would say that probably. And and I think it's still in the top three for like number one independent growth. It was made for 300,000 made over $70 million. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say again, fitting the culture of coming out of the war and the government and just, um, kind of mixed in with sci-fi but the hill of eyes hills have eyes the original mm -hmm. hills have eyes is terrifying the remake was okay Mm -hmm. um but that's that's another really scary one for me Mm -hmm. um do you want me to go into it at all or go for it so it the original let me just pull it up real fast because it was remade again in i started watching the original the other night Mm -hmm. and um there's actually a lot of really good trivia on this movie the original there's some really interesting stuff the guy who plays pluto actually has has a condition Mm -hmm. um hills of eyes original so this was 19 i think it's 77 yeah uh group of bikers heading to a race they become stranded in the desert and they find themselves fighting off um, this like it has themes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. so they're fighting off this like. How how would you describe them? Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me go back. Sorry, 1977, the original. It's on the way to California. Family actually, their car breaks down in an area close to the public. There's multiple. I think there's a Hills Have Eyes too. The oh, very yeah. first one and a remake. I think <laughs> and there's a remake in 2006. <laughs> yeah. But the original one is really terrifying. So family has misfortune. Their car breaks down in an area close to the closed off to the public. And the, there's this group of what they are describing as violent savages ready to attack. And it's very, very creepy. So they're these guys like um, they kind of wait for people to come through. Yeah. And it's directed scary. by Wes Craven. The original is directed by Wes Craven. Um, but it's really, it, I, I mean, it's sort of like a sci-fi horror to me. Would you mm-hmm. disagree with that? No, I don't disagree okay. with that. I mean, I, I mean, I think it has enough horror elements to be called it does. a horror movie. It definitely does. And I think it's in the same family of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's, um, it, it's very like desolate. Well, and it's like cannibal savages. It's very, you know? yeah, it's cannibalistic. <laughs> it's, like... it's, it's, it's very desolate. Again, it's the being trapped in the middle of nowhere. And these things are, they, they're like inbreds, mm-hmm. I believe. Like, yeah, know, I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just terrifying. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was totally a um, like an influence on this movie. It was. And it also has the same misogynistic themes of mm-hmm. like, you yeah. know, there's a lot of rape and torture and torment. And um, there's a lot of id. There's a lot of id. <laughs> a lot of primal. And when it was done, when these films were done back in the 70s, it was done with the idea that this was still, I wouldn't say socially acceptable, but when these movies are remade, and maybe this is why it's not as scary for me anymore, when they're remade now, there's this knowledge that this is not okay. Yeah. And they're kind of mimicking what used to be able to be done. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they could actually have a film like this now, at least an American film, 
that would be this raw like the original Hills of Eyes. Yeah, I mean it's very much a seventies. Mm-hmm. I mean it it kind of I mean Craven had done um, what the last house on the left, um, which, which was, was also another horrible. Which was his debut as a director yeah. in seventy two, and uh, yeah, and then this and. Yeah, he established himself. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, it's scary. I, 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 Texas Chainsaw. So you brought up Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and um, that's that's a movie that I don't that I find it difficult to like remove myself from. And so that's mm-hmm. real horror, right? Where, yep. where I, I, so far we've mentioned movies that I can remove myself from, like that I can step out of, at least in my mind when I'm watching it enough to not be terrorized. But when I first saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, I haven't watched any of the remakes. I haven't, like it's one of those ones where I, I couldn't step outside of it. And it imprinted so um, successfully on me that I couldn't watch it again. I've never watched any of the remakes. Um, it, it scared the crap out of me. It's 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 you feel like you're being tormented as you watch it. And again, mm-hmm. different than if you were to watch Hostel or if you were to watch yeah, because there was something so much so raw about the movies in the '70s and some somewhat in the '80s too. Mm-hmm. Of there was a little bit of that. I, I want to be careful to say this because I'm not saying that it was socially acceptable to rape someone in the seventies, no. but when these movies are made now, it's with the understanding that this behavior is, you know, there's more rights, there's more legislation. There's a, when you watch these movies back in the seventies, this shit was happening and nobody knew there weren't, and nobody had their cell phones out videoing things and mm-hmm. getting people in trouble. And I think that's why I was describing Hills of Eyes, very desolate. If something happens to you like this, no one is around, no one's filming it. You can't get on your cell phone. And there's something so terrifying about that, just like with the the landlines yeah. and not having the, the security that we have now. Absolutely. Um, with that, let's take a break because I have a couple of more movies that scared the crap out of me and still scare the crap out of me. That we have to talk to, and I'm sure Kathy does, talk about, and I'm sure Kathy does too. So we'll be right back. While we take a break, go follow us on Instagram at Terror Talk Podcast, Twitter at Talk Terror, or on our Facebook page, Halloween All Year Long. If you prefer email, it's terrortalkpodcast at gmail.com. So reach out. If you like us, you can help us by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page. We upload new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Keep coming back, but first stick around for more of our show. Hi, everyone. We're back with the 1970s. I'm just creeped out by all these movies we're talking about. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's a lot to be said about that movie. But I'm going to leave it alone. Um, it's your Black Christmas. Yeah, I'm going to leave it alone. I mean, it's an allegory for the Vietnam War. I mean, there's all kinds of cultural stuff. There was all kinds of crazy shit that happened on the set. Okay, I don't even, we can't even go there. Let's I, I don't want to pull you out of this trauma. <sighs> Let's stop now. Um, but the 70s were also the era of 120 days of Sodom. And oh, God. Things like the Wicker Man. And Eraserhead. Oof. All. 
horrific. I'm just going to set that right there on the table. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I'm not as, I, I know Wicker Man, but I'm not nearly as familiar as I am with, uh, is it 120, how many days of Sodom? There's 120 days of 120 Sodom. 120 days of Sodom. Tell the story. <laughs> I think you should. No, oh. no, I don't mean of the movie. Oh. I mean of when you watched oh, it. Oh, God. So, <laughs> Shannon, we've always gotten together and watched horror movies. It's how we got to where we are now. And yeah. there was a day that I came over and she's like, hey, let's, I have a new one for us. <laughs> and I said, great, let's watch it. Sweet. Um, it was the worst, most horrific, <laughs> uncomfortable, tormenting, really cringing, crawling out of my skin, inappropriate. <laughs> and I've watched worse since then. So yes, but this was, this is a bad one. Cause I, I mean, I, I I'm, I watch a lot of stuff. Um, but when it comes to this theme, which I'm going to let Shannon talk about in a minute, <laughs> this was, and we had to look up how this was even put together and what the meaning was behind this film. Mm-hmm. Well, the Marquis de Sade. Um, Do you want to describe it? Wrote a, a book bit? called "120 Days of Sodom." Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a French film. The film is French. That's what I'm remembering. I'm looking up the description right now. Um, but I do remember. <laughs> I said, "Let's watch. Let's watch this movie." <laughs> oh my god! And um, the best is when I came back like a month later, and her partner goes. Hey, you guys want to watch 120 Days of Sodom again? <laughs> so he puts it on. And it, I think 20 minutes in, Shannon goes, oh, fuck, and just walks out of the room. Like, you are yeah, just so done. You're like, like, I can't do this again. One time is enough. I mean, it's a two-hour movie that feels like it's about six hours long. So um, Sallow, or I'm not pronouncing that right, or The 120 Days of Sodom uh, from 1975. Uh, in a World War II Italy, it's set in Italy, sorry, Italian, uh, four fascist libertines round up nine adolescent boys and girls and subject them to 120 days of physical, mental, and sexual torture. Okay, so in our modern day times, that sounds like like a kidnap and rape movie or something, right? But that's not what it is. No. That, that it's like, I mean that is what it is, but it is a French movie. It's like but Hunger it's set Games and porn all together. Right. Yeah. It's a French movie that's set in Italy and yeah, it doesn't have a modern sensibility. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Oh God, no. And they used young people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like sadomasochism. There's, um, well, let's just put it this way. It's, it's, it's broken up into sections. Oh God. And so one of the sections and the, 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 the French or Italian, I can't remember, words will come up on the screen. And um, one of the sections is the circle of shit, basically. <laughs> so Circle of blood, circle of shit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so they go through these um, these fetishes, really, um, yeah. where there's, like it says, physical and sexual torture. So, And it's odd. And there's like a 20-minute scene where all of the young people are around basically naked and there's this woman singing in Italian for like what feels like forever in this big room with this piano. I mean, like, it's bizarre. Yeah. And those of us who watch bizarre horror movies, I mean, I've watched um, several recently, um, are not going to be 
freaked out by it or anything, but it is ridiculous. So that came out in the 70s, um, as did The Wicker Man that's quite famous, as did Eraserhead that you've watched recently, actually, mm-hmm. um, when we did our episode on David Lynch. Dawn yeah. of the Dead. I remember Dawn of the Dead. That was like one of my stepfather's favorite movies. I, I was going through the list, and actually when that popped up, I went, oh, Dawn of the yeah, Dead. It's man. so good. And Night of the Living Dead. Ugh. Can I throw out a fun one? That's yeah. not so like you bet. Fant- Phantasm. Oh wow! Yeah, I hadn't even Phantasm. So I watched it again the other night because I remember it like being a big one, but couldn't fully remember mm-hmm. the film. And it's basically about this like guy called is the thing. It's the Thin Man. Mm. I'm gonna pull this up right now. But it's a uh, the original is in 1979, and it went on to I think there's three plus of these now, but a teenage boy and his friends face off against a mysterious grave robber known as the tall man Mm. who keeps a lethal arsenal of terrible weapons with him. And he kind of like travels through it. it, There's a sci-fi piece to it, but it's definitely more horror where um, he'll kind of, he'll attack or travel through this silver ball that like flies through the air. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's again, like a, it's very much about the younger generation and the the fears in America for that generation. So like anywhere from early adolescence to like young adulthood, I think a lot of the characters in the seventies and eighties in horror films, I mean, even now too, but at that time it was a lot about that. And the teenage boy is the central character of the first film. He's very smart in it and he knows exactly what he's doing, but my God, when you watch this movie, (laughs) The girls who are, you know, he's probably 13 and they're like 16, 17 mm-hmm. and he's totally in charge. And she's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And oh, now, no. and now it would be She'd the opposite. Have... She'd be like, get your ass in the car. I'm taking care of this. Right. She'd have so, like a gun and a, yeah. And she'd and be like, on. you're 13, get your ass in the car. But it was still very that like misogynistic yeah. culture. Right. It's so interesting to watch that. But phantasm is a, that's more of like a, like a, fun one there's nothing i don't walk away from it going oh my god i can't yeah yeah it's funny because my fun one and one of my favorite movies still to this day is young frankenstein that was in the 70s which is you know considered in the horror genre there's um but it's one of the best comedies ever there's one that i wanted to actually watch for this episode and i didn't get around to it and it came up in another um episode we did a while back but it's a movie called Magic with Anthony Hopkins. So I was just about to mention it. Want to talk so, about it? Yeah, because... Okay. Have um, you seen it? Yes. Um, Magic is on my little list of like one of the five movies that I have like a personal memory of okay. on this list. Like It's Alive was one of them. The Exorcist yeah. is another... Um, uh, Magic is another one. So it's kind of... It's 1978, so I was older. So, you know... I, I may have tried to sneak and see it. My mom was pretty, um, my mom was pretty straightforward about <laughs> shielding me from horrible things. So I don't know when I figured out how to watch this movie, but again, it's also in keeping of what I mentioned earlier of like little dolls that come to life and little mm-hmm. things. So magic is a 1978, um, American psychological horror film. Uh, that stars Anthony Hopkins, actually, and Burgess Meredith and Anne Margaret. And directed by Richard Attenborough. And yes, correct. And and the screenplay by William Goldman, who is super famous if you if you look him up. So 
there's this puppet. <laughs> ventriloquist. Dog. Yeah, yeah. There's this guy, and he's a ventriloquist, and he has a ventriloquist doll, um, which is basically a puppet. And it comes to life. I'll just say that. And it's evil. And it's creepy. And it scared me. Yeah. I was watching a couple of the, the um, like, YouTube, you know, three, four, five-minute segments from the film. And yeah. there's the scene where he kind of, he's there talking to him, and his friend walks in. He's like, oh, no, I'm just messing around. He's like, no, something's up with you. Like, you're you're one with this doll at this point. Yeah, the thing on the... Um... <laughs> thing on the poster says abracadabra i sit on his knee presto changeo and now he is me hocus pocus we take her to bed magic is something i can't read it magic is there we're dead or something like that like oh god and the posters are like his big eyeballs it's this like puppet oh it's so creepy and so i was young (laughs) i was a young person scary so I was, it scared the crap out of me, that movie did. Um, And then, you know, later we've got Chucky and all the different ones. So, and Anthony Hopkins is really good in it too. Yeah, he's always good. Yeah. So I know for sure there's one more movie that I want to talk about. What do you got? Um, well, we, we, I had Carrie on my list. We talked about that. And uh, the other one that I haven't seen the original, I've actually only seen the, the, the remake is Suspiria. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the actual, watching like, it? Dario, Dar- Dario. <laughs> Dargento is his last name, right? What's his first name? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, I the original I have not seen. The remake was terrifying, but I can only imagine the, um, the original. Supernatural horror. Yeah, it's... It, it's essentially about a coven of witches, but there's a lot more than that to it, um, and it's incredibly terrifying. Even from the beginning, it's just a, it's just blood. Yeah, it's, it's very yeah. gore. It's a very very gore yeah. Film. Even the poster has like just it's, it's masked red. by them being like a dance company basically, yeah. but it ends up being you know a coven of witches <laughs> and all this like intergenerational weird incestuous stuff. Right. But it's very disturbing. But really, I mean, the remake was really well done. I think. Yeah, Dario. Dario Argento. That's his name. Yeah, that's his both his yeah. names. I gave, I gave it. <laughs> it's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> 1977. Um, I haven't watched that one in a really long time. The original? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess it was a decade of blood. Like Carrie and... <laughs> yeah, Carrie and... Suspiria yeah. and Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was like just a lot of blood. They've described Carrie as aged better than its contemporaries. But also mm-hmm. timely when it was made too, because it was again the fall of innocence to experience, and a lot of the hypersexual themes in that movie. And the mother, um, I think this was very timely for the seventies too, like very cultural, where the mother almost shaming her for coming into her, mm-hmm. you know, sexuality. I can Such see your dirty pillows. Yeah. <laughs> she was so scary, and I I liked it, and I grouped it in with like the extra. I loved Stephen King and was reading. That's one thing I was doing was reading scary books far too early. So mm. you were seeing scary movies far too early, and I was reading Stephen King you when had, I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, you were in the books. So um, what's yeah. your last one? You have another one. You said 
Oh, no, wait. I want to mention something oh. else about um, Carrie is that it was in line with The Exorcist for me. And The Exorcist was like totally imprinted on me. But Carrie did, too, because it's the religious suffering. It's the religious torture that yeah. she goes through because her mother is like... Um, a religious zealot. Mm -hmm. And whereas my mother was not a religious zealot, we did have a period in my childhood where period, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> wah, wah. God, see um, me through the tampons out. It's oh just so God. shaming. So gross. But there was a time in my childhood where my family had a religious, um, shift. We'll put it that way. Story for another time. But, um, so Carrie, I don't know, Carrie, the exorcist, Omen, like all of those are religious overtone stuff. And so it was important to mm. me. Um, those were scary for me. The one I need to mention because it may, it still makes an impression on me and it's still a freaking scary movie. And I was just talking with someone else about it over social media the other day is invasion of the body. Snatchers. Oh God, that's a great one. Um, talk about science fiction horror. Yeah. Being successful. So well done. <laughs> oh my God. So well done. Um, yeah. I remember was, when they had it on as a Monday night movie when I was oh, a kid. My mom's geez. like, you want to watch Invasion of the Body? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. So, I mean, the one that I watched was Donald Sutherland in the 70s. Yeah. And it's a remake. The The 1978 re is, is a remake. That's the one I know, too. Of the 1956 film, which I did not see. And, God, this is a great one. Um, Jeff you, Goldblum, too. Yes. It's a terrifying movie. And that thing at the end... I that don't remember. Sound. It's been so long. So there is a sound. I just remember those pods that Donald Sutherland makes at the end of the movie. It is a quintessential scene. The last shot of this movie. So it it, it is it is so terrifying, and it's a sound you've never. I mean, maybe now, it, like you've you know, with sound effects being the way they are, you probably heard it before, or whatever. But like, it's a sound you've never heard before. It's so freaking scary. I kind of <gasps> want to go back and rewatch it now. Maybe we'll have to do it one of these nights. I just remember those pods. I was a kid. Yes. And those pods being slime. terrified. Because <laughs> I was probably like seven when I saw it. Because oh. I saw it like years after it was. <laughs> Kathy was in the womb when she saw it. Well, because it came out when I was one. So I saw it. By the time I saw it, it was already like they would do the, the Monday night movies and play stuff. So that was already made for TV, mm -hmm. but it yeah. was this one. So it you was... might not have been seeing the extra scary parts either. Uh, if maybe it not. was made for TV. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch it. It's a good one. I would totally recommend rewatching it. Okay. It, it, it holds up in this, you know, this discussion today about the seventies movie and like the atmosphere of the movies, you know, alien with it's like quiet plotting tension and such an exceptional script and like the exorcist quiet, plotting religious overtones scary demon like there's a lot of time that escapes in these movies and evasion of the body snatchers is no exception the time that they would allow the audience to like sit in the tension i so appreciate and certainly there are contemporary movies that do that but not as not like the 70s <laughs> yeah i agree so that's my, I mean, there are so many that we did not mention, but obviously we cannot mention them all because um, that would just be dull. Um, is yeah. there anything else that, any shining examples you wanted to throw out there? 
No, I, I mean, we hit a lot of them. I, I, I clearly, you know, my honorable mentions would be, which we've already discussed, Exorcist, Halloween, and Jaws. Because mm-hmm. um, Jaws also nominated, and I think it won Best Picture in 1977. Probably. But, um, but it was a really, really, really uh, incredible decade for horror. And I think it was really like the launch into mm-hmm. this being a genre that has become as popular as it has. Yes, I mean, there were standouts before that, but like, you know, Don't Look Now. And I mean, just all the franchises that started in the 70s, all of these exceptional scripts and movies and then and horror started winning awards. I mean, it was really I I really feel like the 70s were the first decade of horror for me. And many of the, the successful ones being independent films. Oh, many, many of them. Um, so. We're going to come back and do our what the hell segment, but that is our discussion of the seventies. It's definitely one of my favorite, um, decades of horror. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do other episodes on the other decades. We've already done one on the 2010s, 2010 to 2019. We started with recent stuff. We did an episode on that. So if you haven't listened to that, check that out. And now we've done the seventies and I don't know what's next, but you know, stay tuned. Yeah, right. They're all good. So we can find, um, we can make hay out of all of them, I'm sure. So we're going to come right back and do our What the Hell segment. We will be right back. Hey, everybody. We are back. We are doing our What the Hell segment, and I will start. How about that? That's wonderful. That's the best. <laughs> that's the best news I've, you've had yeah, all the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, our What the Hell segment is Kathy and I f- each find a ridiculous criminal story and then we talk about it. So mine is, two Welsh tourists landed themselves in court in 2012 after they got drunk and stole a pigeon. Oh. The pigeon was called Dirk and it lived at SeaWorld in Australia. Oh So this 21-year-old and 20-year-old from South Wales broke into the park on Queensland Gold Coast, swam with the dolphins, and let off a fire extinguisher in the shark enclosure before making off with poor Dirk. When they woke up hungover and with the flightless bird in their apartment, they tried their incompetent best, quote-unquote, to care for him by feeding him and putting him in the shower. Ugh. Um, they later released Dirk into a canal, but were spotted by locals who called the police. A magistrate fined them 1000 Australian dollars, um, each and told them to drink a little less vodka. Oh my God. Uh, Dirk was rescued and returned to SeaWorld unharmed. So Dirk had a little, little adventure. Dirk should have just taken off and freed his life. Dirk should have. Poke their eyeballs out. Just taken off and free. <laughs> Can you imagine you're like hungover? You probably don't even remember. And you've. Like I took what? You've got a penguin in your apartment. <laughs> yeah. It's like hangover where they wake up with the tiger. Yeah. That's much worse actually. But yes. Okay. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Your turn. So I did. I went a little different style this week and I found the top 10 ridiculous reasons that people were thrown in jail. <laughs> okay. Cool. And I'm giving these with no explanation. Sweet. Because you could probably look up why, but they're funnier without. I'll be over here. One is actually not funny, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Number (laughs) 10 is 30 days for collecting rainwater. Number nine is two days for not deleting a Facebook account. Hmm. Number eight is an 18-month sentence for a soldier having a gun. 
Number seven is three days for friending somebody on Facebook. <laughs> Number six is four months on baseless suspicion of being an illegal immigrant. <laughs> Number five is 19 days for not letting a nine-year-old visit the rapist father in prison. Mm. Um, what? Number four is six years for failing to predict an earthquake. Okay. Number three is overnight for overdue library books. That's my favorite. <laughs> Um, number two is 56 days for tweeting too stupidly. That must be Trump. No, he wouldn't get no. time. And number one, <laughs> which I just want to make a quick comment is 10 days for sending kids to the wrong school district. So Whoa. what's really messed up about that is that must've been a white person because Tanya McDowell got 12 years for doing that. Whoa. Yeah. So I posted something today on my business Instagram that just said white privilege is real. And mm -hmm. it was about um, how, you know, our two USC ladies got nothing. And some of these women just uh, two black women both received longs three. One got, I think, three years. Tanya McDowell got 12 years for sending her child to the wrong school district. And then somebody like Felicity Huffman getting four months for. So, yeah, but these are just like in you know you you can look it up to get the context of it but sure. my favorite is overnight for overdue library books and six years for failing to predict an earthquake i really would love to know more about that unbelievable okay <laughs> there we are partially funny partially systemic racism based. partially what the hell yeah fully all, what the hell. all what the hell yeah. <laughs> all right guys thanks so much for listening um please join us on um friday for our shrink chat show and we will see you then um this is terror talk my name is shannon and i'm kathy sleep safe everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of terror talk if you enjoyed this show there are two things you could do for us subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media as well as writing a review on itunes plus you could check out our patreon page don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>